Welcome to Wellness and Weight Loss with Dr. Susan, sponsored by the Norwin Wellness Center located in North Huntingdon. Dr. Susan Plank is an expert in natural remedies for weight loss and digestive health issues. To talk to Dr. Plank with your health questions, call 412-825-6262. That's 412-825-6262. And now, Wellness and Weight Loss with Dr. Susan. Hello, hello. Welcome to Wellness and Weight Loss. I am your host, Dr. Susan Plank. It's a pleasure to have you join me today. If you struggle with bloat, fatigue, low libido, weight gain, you're in the right place. You're right where you need to be. And that's why I want you when you're listening to this program, at some point, go to norwinwellness.com, norwinwellness.com. Click and complete the contact today. You're going to see contact today, a button. Click that, complete the form. You and I, what happens next, you and I will reach out. You and I are going to talk during a free, what I call, best next step. What's your best next step? We don't need to tackle everything, but let's, let's get, like, what do you need to do? What's your best next step? So that's a best next step consultation, completely free. And then you can sit back. You can stop worrying. Focus on feeling and looking your best. And so I do want to let you know uh, my last, the last breakthrough weight loss program of the year is starting two weeks from today. So uh, please, again, contact us today. For more information about that, you can go to weightlossbreakthrough.pro, P-R-O, weightlossbreakthrough.pro, and you can find out more there. So if you want to get rid of the bloat, have more energy in as little as 10 days, and start losing the weight, this program is perfect. It's perfect. And I'm just so proud of the fact this is three years running now that every single person, 100% of the folks that have signed up have lost weight. So hooray to all of you guys getting it done, feeling healthier, getting healthier. I love it. Love it. So I'm worried. Honestly, I'm worried about your general health. We've got a lot, lot going on, right? A lot going on socially, a lot going on financially, a lot going on politically. And I know you're trying to watch what you're eating, trying to take good care of yourself, but boy, it's it's really hard, isn't it? It's really hard. And one of the most important markers of your general health is your sleep. Good quality sleep. So today's program, let's get started today, today's show, and we're going to sort of start here with the end of your day, which is sleep, okay? We don't usually think about it. We don't usually give sleep much thought until, guess what? You're not getting good quality sleep. And when you don't, it doesn't take very long to realize it. You might be able to muscle through for a day or two, but then it just gets harder and harder and harder if it's a chronic disruption of your sleep. It just is tough. And so... Sleep is profoundly important as a part of your day 
and you will end up sleeping about 30% of your life. If you have teenagers in the house, you're looking at them and thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to sleep 70% of their life, right? God bless them. Uh, But over the course, our whole lifetime, it's going to be about 30% of our life should be sleeping. And it's not just how long you sleep. That's important. Don't get me wrong. But sleep has other very important components, and most people just don't realize that the sleep quality is as important as your diet quality, the food you're eating, and how much water and the quality of the water you're drinking. That's how important sleep is. If we broke all our health down to three foundational things, it would be good food, clean water, and it would be quality sleep. You might not realize sleep is when your body heals, when your body deals with stress, when it creates memories. So creates memories. So if you happen to have, you just sent little Johnny off to college, make sure little Johnny knows not to pull all-nighters because guess what? What did we just say? Sleep creates memories. Right? Good quality sleep before the night of a test. Definitely should do it. Sleep maintains brain pathways for recall and cognition. If you think your brain shuts off during sleep, you'd be very, very wrong. Your body and brain are actually quite active during sleep. But it's a necessary activity to keep you refreshed. In fact, during sleep, your brain does sort of housekeeping. I know a lot of you out there, hey, moms, you know, if, you're, if you have some kids in the house, right, responsibilities, you get home, you work in, you cook, and it's not just moms, dads too, right? It's, there's just not enough time in the day. When's the easiest time to clean the house? When everybody's gone to bed, right? Otherwise, you're like, oh, vacuuming, can you lift your feet, right? They're watching Netflix. So it's when everybody's gone to bed, it's easier to keep up the house. It's easier to get the vacuuming and clean up, right? And the brain, your brain is doing the same thing. In fact, your brain is removing toxins. You've heard me talk about toxins, how they affect hormone receptors, right? And and our health and liver function. So the brain removes toxins while you sleep, And yet those toxins are actually produced when you're under stress and awake, when your brain's functioning. If you have a thyroid issue, understand when I say how important your thyroid is because it affects every cell of your body. If you you guys are listening, and those of you that do have thyroid issues, right, you might even be taking the medication and you're wondering, is it even doing anything? Because the thyroid affects every cell in the body. And the research is showing us that poor sleep quality also affects every cell of the body. It leads to high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, depression, obesity. So let's dive into the anatomy of sleep because here's the thing, just because, you know, I'm going to talk about sleep 
doesn't mean, oh, well, I listened to a, a talk on sleep. I'm just going to sleep better, right? It's when I talk to people about and I have to give them the results of when we check their adrenal stress levels. Just because we know that they that their levels are depleted, that doesn't make it the stress miraculously disappear, right? You still have to go about life. And it's the stressors of life, just like it's usually the stressors of life that are affecting somebody's sleep patterns. But what I want you to pay attention to is the next few minutes as I'm, I'm sort of explaining this to you, is if you're someone who always sort of wakes up, oh, I'm an hour, hour and a half in, I'm, I'm really sleeping good. Every time, a day, a night, I mean, hour, hour and a half, I wake up. I wake every night at 2 o'clock. That's good information because it lets us know about what part of your sleep pattern, which I'm going to be talking about, is affected. It can let us know what hormones or neurotransmitters or if there's outside noise, potentially. So let's talk about, first of all, how does sleep even come about? How does it happen that we lay down at night? Why don't we sit near at the office? Go Go to sleep, right? No, it happens at night. So we have the hypothalamus. These are all different parts of the brain. And it's the hypothalamus is found deep inside the brain, and it's a group of specialized brain cells. And brain cells just are known as neurons. And they receive information about the amount of light. So your eyes are picking up how much light there is And the hypothalamus deep inside the brain is monitoring how much light there is. So your hypothalamus receives these light-sensitive signals from your eyes, which controls what's known as your circadian rhythm, right? When you want to go to sleep, when you want to wake up, which is also controlled by neurotransmitters and hormones. So amazingly, this this is just fascinating, Amazingly, even people that have lost their sight, they can be blind, but their hypothalamus can still sense the light and therefore can adjust their sleep cycles accordingly. Now, this doesn't, unfortunately, it doesn't work like a charm for everyone, but for some folks, it's still that light mechanism of the brain is still sensing. I just find that absolutely, the body is just amazing, folks. The brain stem here, this is a different part of the brain. It's at the base of it, in the back where your, you know, your spinal cord would connect. It communicates with the hypothalamus. And so these two structures, they're performing this intricate balance between sleep and being awake. And they each have a little center that says, oh, time to wake up, time to go to sleep. And there's these little clusters of cells there. Okay? Well, time to wake up. Well, time to fall asleep. So now we have sleep-promoting neurotransmitters in the hypothalamus and the brainstem. The main one is GABA, G-A-B-A. And GABA reduces the activity of these parts of these two centers that get 
aroused. It's like, oh, wake up, wake up, wake up. GABA comes along and suppresses that. So then calms these areas down and you go to sleep and hopefully stay asleep. So now you can start to see if your brain is not producing enough GABA, if you're nutritionally deficient, keep in mind all these hormones and neurotransmitters are created out of the building blocks, vitamins and antioxidants and minerals. So you have to have these available so your body can make the GABA. And this is where we have to step in sometimes because if you're nutritionally deficient, it can be from you're not eating the best quality food, maybe you're not taking any vitamins or minerals or supplements, or maybe you have digestive issues and you are eating well and you are taking supplements, but guess what? It's passing right through. You're not getting the absorption you need to create these neurotransmitters and hormones. So if you don't have enough GABA, right, you're not going to be able to go to sleep and stay asleep. The brainstem plays a special role in REM, rapid eye movement sleep, okay? Rapid eye movement sleep releases chemicals that help relax your arms, your legs, all this starts to happen during REM sleep. When you go into REM sleep, your limbs are relaxed. Otherwise, right, you might be acting out your dreams, right? Might be in a fight. You might be riding a bicycle. Imagine laying there riding a bicycle. So this is another part of the brain. Because you will see people reaching and, you know, so, again, it gives us more information what part of their sleep pattern is disrupted. And so, this is one of the areas of the brain that is suspected in folks that are sleepwalkers, where people are walking around the house, looking in the refrigerator. They have no recollection the next day. They have no clue. And they're doing this all completely asleep, walking around, looking for something to eat, no clue. So there's other areas of brain then known as the thalamus and cerebral cortex. They take in information and they interpret it. So taking short-term information in and storing it then as long-term memories. So now as we age, right, and if we have a, a, a parent, a grandparent, a loved one that is starting to have memory issues, okay, brain injury folks, they might have the memory, but they can't access it. Or they might not be able to create new long-term memories. It's short-term memories, which is what we see with Alzheimer's, they can remember recent, they can't, they can't, I'm sorry, they can remember further back, they can't necessarily remember recent, they can't store short term. So all this with the brain and sleep and thought, it's fascinating, folks, fascinating. And during most stages of sleep, these areas will be quiet until we get 
to REM sleep. Again, rapid eye movement sleep. And then these areas of the brain, they just, bam, they just light up. They just, they're like they're on fire. They become very active. And that's why some folks, the, the, the dreams are so vivid, so vivid. Now, the pineal gland, another little part of the brain, it sits right between the two sections, the two hemispheres, it's called, left and right, right in the middle. And it helps regulate and release melatonin when light diminishes. So now we have another part of the brain, another part of the mechanism of sleep related to light. And as light decreases, now we have melatonin, which I'm sure a lot of you are taking the supplement, melatonin increases, and it helps you go to sleep. It's the triggering. As the light decreases, it's a triggering mechanism that melatonin is released and produced, and it helps you sleep. So again, melatonin produced, light diminishes, right? And as light increases in the morning, melatonin decreases in production. So this again helps stabilize. Circadian rhythm are just when we're going to sleep, sort of these these things that we don't, I mean, we have some control over it if you're staying up late to watch a a movie, right? You you start doing that, watching TV in bed. But, you know, it's, it's this sort of innate rhythm, biorhythm, But stress comes into play, right? Adrenal function comes into play. Daylight hours. Think about when the time has changed, right? I mean, people can feel like slugs for days when you start playing around with the time. You know, a couple of months, Western Pennsylvania, right? We're going to have it where it's dark at 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. It starts to play with your energy. It plays with your sleep patterns. But also we can't discount where you're at on your stress profile, your adrenal stress hormones. As cortisol, which is also a belly fat hormone, as that increases, it's going to disrupt your sleep and cause you to gain weight, keeping you sort of on edge, ramped up. And so if you've been listening to me for a while, you know I talk about hormones are communicators. And melatonin is a perfect example of this stimulating brain activity as it gauges what's happening on the outside of our body. It's gauging how much light is on the outside of our body. I have not used an alarm clock for decades. Decades. I can't even tell you the last time I used an alarm to wake up. And you might be the same. So there's this little-known part of the brain. It's known as the basal forebrain, and it releases what's known as adenosine. And it drives sleep, but guess what? Caffeine blocks the production of adenosine. So this is why, hey, if you want to get a good night's sleep, we've got to look at the amount of caffeine. How much is going in in the day? How late in the day is it going in? Adenosine helps you fall asleep and stay asleep, and caffeine blocks the production of the adenosine. 
And also having low adenosine now leads to heart arrhythmias. There's brilliance in your body. There's brilliance of how all these mechanisms interact. And so another part of the brain, the amygdala, is active during REM sleep, and it processes emotions. So the old saying like, oh, I'll sleep on it, right? You sleep on it, your brain is processing how you feel about things, and you might feel completely differently about it the next day than what you did when the instance happened. So you can start to see the profound effects and interactions between the brain and sleep and also sleep and our body's needs. And so stress, stress is like an outside-in condition and chronic stress. Folks, if you have a job you hate, if you're one of those folks that Sunday night comes along and you are stressed out, I beg you to start looking for a new job because if you're losing sleep, if you're chronically stressed, you might not find your perfect, perfect next step job, but I'm telling you, are you willing to take on the ramifications of how that stress and chronic stress is affecting your health, your sleep? It's putting a drain on your hormones and your neurotransmitters. It's interrupting your sleep cycle, and it's most likely causing you to gain weight. So let's talk about now the stages of sleep. So there's two types of sleep, REM, R-E-M, rapid eye movement, and non-REM. Easy to remember, right? REM and non-REM. Non-REM has three different stages to it. So your cycle goes through these sleep patterns multiple times at night. It's not just one time it happens. It's multiple over and over. It repeats. So non-REM first, we'll go over first, stage one. It's a transition of when you're going to sleep, wakefulness to sleep. And so during this short period of time, honestly, it's usually only a few minutes, You'll go from where you're awake into a light sleep. Maybe you need to read your favorite book. Maybe you're doing whatever at night, but you're in the light sleep. Your heartbeat, your breathing, your eye movements, your muscles, everything is starting to relax. You might get occasional twitches. If you have a pet, watch your, watch your pet fall asleep. You'll see their, their legs starting, right? Light twitches. And your brain waves begin to slow down from where they are during the day. Stage two of the non-REM sleep is it's a light sleep just before you're going to enter a deeper sleep. So again, continued, your heartbeat and breathing slower and slower. Your muscles relax even more. Your body temperature starts to drop. Your eyes start to slow down. Your brainwave activity slows down but there'll be these little bursts of electrical activity. And you'll spend more of your repeated sleep patterns in stage two than any other sleep pattern. Stage three of the non-REM sleep. It's a period of deep sleep. 
You need to feel refreshed in the morning. It occurs in longer periods during the first half of the night, and your heartbeat and breathing slow down to their slowest, lowest levels of the night when you're sleeping. Your muscles are relaxed. It might be difficult if somebody's trying to wake you up. It's like you hear a voice or something far off, and you're like out of it. That's that's the non-REM. And your brain waves are really slowing down, too. So after these three stages of non-REM, now we get to the good stuff. You need all those stages. You need those three stages to happen to get to REM. And REM sleep first occurs about 90 minutes after you fall asleep. So that's what I'm saying. If you're waking up in that 90 minutes, then we know we're probably having a problem with those three stages getting you into REM sleep. Your eyes start to move rapidly from side to side, even though your eyelids are closed. You're getting all kinds of different brainwave activity, okay? And it's almost to the point where you're awake. Your brain activity almost shows like you're awake. Your breathing becomes faster and irregular. Your heart rate and blood pressure increase. Most of your dreaming occurs during REM sleep. Some can occur in non-REM, but most of it occurs in REM. Your arm and leg muscles become temporarily paralyzed, which prevents you from acting out in your dreams. And as you age, you sleep less and less in REM sleep. So even though your brain, right, has this activity going on, you think, well, how can that be restful? It's, it's the mechanism. It's what we need. Memories are formed, both from non-REM into REM sleep. And so you're starting out awake and then light sleep and deep sleep and then into REM. And this sleep cycle continues throughout the night. And your quality of sleep is not only how long you sleep, but how many cycles of sleep you get, how much And how deep are the cycles? How long does your REM sleep continue? So, again, it's not just a number. Well, you know, you can't can't be going to bed at 2 o'clock and getting up at 4 a.m., 6 a.m., right? Two to four hours. There's no way you're going to have a good sleep quality score. Adults need 7 to 9 hours of sleep. If this is one of the basic pillars of health, where are you at with it? Are you even allowing your body to attempt to get seven to nine hours of sleep? Children can need nine, ten, or more. Okay? And when I say children, please don't take us off, but I'm talking high school. I'm talking little little Johnny that just went off to college to broke your heart. How did he grow up so quickly? And little Mary Beth, right, broke your heart a couple weekends ago. Oh, They need longer sleep. So. The kicker is, but as you age, over the age of 60, tend to be you're taking more medications 
and that's going to interrupt your sleep. And many people complain that wine, right, alcohol, well, I need it to relax. I've gotten the habit since the pandemic, right? I have a drink. I have one, two, three glasses of wine, whatever, whatever it is for you. But we saw that caffeine can affect sleep and alcohol does the same thing. So even if you think you're going to catch up on sleep, oh, I'll sleep longer over the weekend, it doesn't work that way. And in reality, you know, your stressors are still there. You're probably having one or two more cocktails. And then if you're taking medication, the same thing, right? So, folks, if you struggle with bloat, fatigue, hormone imbalance, low libido, weight gain, go to norwinwellness.com, click contact today, norwinwellness.com, click contact today, fill out the form, let's get you on the path to feeling and looking your best. This is Dr. Plank. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you all, and I hope to talk to you soon. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Wellness and Weight Loss with Dr. Susan, hosted by Dr. Susan Plank of the Norwin Wellness Center in North Huntingdon. Dr. Plank is an expert in natural remedies for weight loss and digestive health issues. To make an appointment with Dr. Susan Plank of the Norwin Wellness Center, call 724-863-5420. That's 724-863-5420. And listen again for another edition of Wellness and Weight Loss with Dr. Susan, sponsored by the Norwin Wellness Center in North Huntingdon, here on KHB Radio.